0: Between Sundays, I'm Tyler, and as your Podfather, I'm going to bring you up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Today, we're talking about raising techna. Tim Ayers is here to do a deep dive on a sermon this past weekend about parenting adult children, but before we train you up in the Lord, now that they've brought us all matching pajamas, let's nurture those we cherish and welcome in our favorite grown-up kiddos, Maren and Barry. <laughs> Good day, guys. Good, Good day. day, Podfather. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and Tim's here. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah, how are uh, you?
1: That intro let me know that at least one person was. Yeah, man.
2: Uh, yeah. I gotta take notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for the record, matching pajamas are cool, Tim. They're cool. <laughs> no, I agree with
0: Tim though. I, I I heard that and I was like, finally someone says it.
2: <laughs> someone <put laughs> someone says it. As the mom buying everyone matching pajamas. I gotta say, they're cool. I love them. They are my until they was, are
1: adult children. <laughs> yeah, my point was, you don't want to still be doing that in twenty years, Mary.
2: Well, maybe I do, Tim.
1: Maybe yeah, maybe I you do. do, but I know, I know two kids <laughs> that will not be happy. About it.
0: <laughs> All right, so it's one thing if your mom buys matching pajamas and you just kind of like deal with it. I married into a family whose mom bought matching pajamas every Christmas, and so first year we're married. We go over for Christmas Eve and smash cut to me and her dad wearing matching pajamas <laughs> standing next to the Christmas tree. I'm telling you,
1: I'm telling you. No, I agree. Uh, hey, I, 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 that actually, <laughs> when I preached that. That was not in my notes. That just came yeah. out. <laughs> it just seems like I've been waiting, it I've been waiting
0: thirty mouth. years to say this. <sighs> yeah. Get it off my chest. Oh man. Yeah, that's funny. What's new
2: guys? What's happening? Marion, you can go first. What's new? Um so I usually take what's new as what did you do over the weekend? Yeah, that's um, fine. Because I hit Monday and what's new is a whole new work week and a whole new load of projects. So that's what's new. Yeah. But what I did over the weekend, I got to go home for the first time since January, I think. I, I don't oh, wow. think that I have gone home, since, home then? since January, since around the time of my mom's uh, going home memorial. So wow. this was pretty awesome. I think I mentioned last week that I got to um, go to a counseling session with my dad, which was super good, yep. but super long and super emotional and super exhausting, but good.
0: Is that like one of many, or is that the first, is that the only I'm, one? You
2: I'm not sure go? as of this point, I think we, we need to kind of talk further and, and see what we want to do next. But that was Saturday. The next day was my grandmother's 95th birthday bath. Saw pictures. At barbecue. It was amazing. I mean, Marianne, we could not looks, have asked. She looks
3: great still. She man. is great she still. Great. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, and people have been saying that for years. People have mm-hmm. been saying when she was 85, oh, she looks great. And then at yeah. 90, oh, she just really looks great. But she's 95 and she wow. just does not age. She's just is she, beautiful. Is she
0: slowing down or is she just like... She seems like she's up and at him and
2: one thing I noticed is she's a person who is up and at him. She's a go-getter, but she yeah. knows her limits. And so we had the drive-by parade where church people came and dropped <laughs> off cards and yeah. drove by and honked their horns. And she sat on kind of like this throne on her her, her front porch. Think of like a brownstone in New York or something like that. Sure. That's the kind of apartment like three flat that she actually owns. Yeah. She lives in this three flat. She lives, she lives on the top floor. So you would have thought that maybe two decades ago, she would have moved down to, yeah, someone's you know, got to put her on the ground floor, the ground what are we doing? level, or even the mid level, but no, she still lives at the top floor of that thing. So, you know yeah she stood and she waved as people drove by and honked and then she went to the backyard and stood for a million pictures mm-hmm. we all had masks on and outside of standing close to her for a picture we were pretty distanced the whole time and she yeah. had i don't know if you you said you saw the pictures she yeah. had this rhinestone mask where it was like uh-huh. a bible yeah 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 Bible yeah. mask. notice like that there's, byob there's no more grandma <laughs> mask than that a bible yeah. in rhinestones that that's no, that what right you, well.
3: you just call her grandma or does she have like a, a name that everybody refers to her as
2: well i call her grandmother i call her grandma when i'm talking to you guys but every birthday card that she ever signed to me said love grandmother
4: Mm. Ooh. and granddad
2: Ooh, so she was formal but then the the grandfather was not she was grandmother and he was granddad so oh he's been God. gone for mm-hmm. a couple years now but she's I when I looked for a card even this year it had to say grandmother I was not about to call her grandma mm-hmm. she was grandmother yeah so that that's was awesome. just that's, awesome that's we couldn't special. have asked for better weather we had you know classic fried fish rib tip potato salad hoedown in the backyard so mm-hmm. it was really good
0: was this a church thing or was this uh, your family thing?
2: It, well, our family's really big. So like, did you fry your own fish? Um, no, my uncle picked it up from somewhere, okay. um, you know, kind of kind of like having it catered. Um, yeah, all right. No. So but small backyard, like a, a Chicago backyard, especially in that neighborhood yeah. is probably like. I don't know, 15 by 15 square of grass.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. That's, that's where we had a party. But we yeah. again, we couldn't have asked for better weather. Grandma was in good spirits and good health. But at one point, she just stood up and started walking toward the house. And she's like shouting over music, over the noise of people in the yard to say like, hey, thank you for coming. But it's getting a little chilly out here. And I'm going upstairs. It <laughs> <laughs> was just, she was just, she was done letting everybody know,
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I don't know what age it becomes. Okay. To just like do stuff like that, but I can't wait until I'm that age. Oh my goodness. To where it's like, I know you guys all came for me, but I'm going inside. You guys can do whatever well, you right. want. And um, she didn't yeah. even
2: care if we kept partying in the backyard, but she was yeah. just like, uh, I'm going to go upstairs now. And so I, I, I'm never sure how much help to offer her because she's so independent. You yeah. know, if I offered her my arm or if I held her arm, she might be offended by that. So mm-hmm. I just stood really closely to her while yeah. she made her way up the stairs from the backyard wow. up to her third, to third floor, floor apartment. Wow. And that's the only time I heard her say anything even remotely, you know, negative or anything like that. She just said, this is, it, this is the only worries. thing I don't like. I don't like doing stairs that's wow. it 95 she doesn't like doing stairs but she still does it every day
0: well that's awesome i'm glad you got to do that It was it looked like it was fun oh it was amazing it was awesome. and she had like one of those like bachelorette sashes oh,
2: my <laughs> my <laughs> sisters made sure she had a tiara she, yeah. uh, it's my 95th birthday sash again yeah. and glitter and rhinestones yeah so it's only appropriate wow. for grandmother yeah yeah Barry, with you? With you good?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm real good. Um, I mean, most of our home life is still. We're still kind of adjusting to having a puppy, and Cleo is just stolen our hearts. She's delightful. Um, she's like, I, I know. Does everybody think that their dog is super smart? Because she's like really smart. Uh, I genuinely think yeah. she is, but it's. I don't think my children. dogs smart. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she's, she's like super clever. She picks up on things super fast. She knows a bunch of tricks already. Um, and maybe it's just our, our mentality as, as her parents that we, we love her so much that we're getting the most out of her, like a firstborn child. But yeah, uh, uh, anyway, we're having a good time with that. I had the, the weirdest like experience of a bunch of the random parts of my life coming together in a very uncomfortable way uh, the other day, cause she's still a puppy. And so she's like teething and she's got the little needle teeth that puppies have. And, um, often in the morning, like on, I I was, I think it was on a Friday, my, my day off on Friday, I was, um, you know, I was just kind of like lounging in bed. I took her out to go to the bathroom. We came back in and she's just up on the bed with me. I'm just like, she sleeps in a crate, but then in the morning she'll come up and like hang out on the bed with us sometimes. And so she's there and she's just like gnawing on my hand with her teeth. And I always like try to let her know when it's too hard, but I don't really care most of the time. And usually I yeah. try to distract her with a toy so she doesn't get used to like, I don't know, the taste of human <laughs> flesh or whatever, but anyway, she, so, but she was like gnawing on, you know, and I got little scratches all over my hand. It's pretty normal right now. But later in the day, I was, uh, I've had like a bumper crop of banana peppers from this one plant. And so I said, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pickle some banana peppers today." And so I was I was cutting up all these hot banana peppers and and pickling them and stuff like that. And then out of nowhere, my left hand, the one that she had been gnawing on, started burning. Like, have you ever had like, oh a yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you can. It's like or something like that. All the time. It, it started burning and, yeah, and it open It wounds. was burning like I had stuck my hand in boiling water and it it burned for 3 hours. <gasps> I couldn't wash it nothing. And I was like, "What is happening?" me right now all the little cuts the little micro tears oh in my, my skin from cleo's teeth anyway that is nothing, nothing to do, to do with don't eat
0: berries banana peppers because his <laughs> wounded hand was in the juice <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly don't worry i
3: i vigorously boiled the vinegar so it's okay. probably fine it's probably fine yeah anyway that was that was the the oddest experience that had to do with both growing things and
0: having a puppy
4: there all you right. go
3: so I'm fine. The burning has gone away. Yeah, good,
0: good, <laughs> good. Tim, last yeah. time we spoke to you was before you got to ride a $13,000 bike. I want to hear all about the experience of you riding that bike, because I don't know if we talked about it on the pod, but I know certainly when you came to work, it's like it was. Uh, everybody was pumped to hear about it. You were pumped to talk about it. Tell the listeners what what happened and what you well, got to I do.
1: Just rode I just wrote it. I had it for 24 hours and I got three rides in. And I really what was only, it. Tell tell everybody, tell everybody what it was. It was a Pinarello Dogma F12. Marin, you know. Yeah, yeah, that one. And everything <laughs> was um, SRAM red and all electronic. It's the exact same bike that the Ineos team that's used to be Sky who've won the six of or five of the last six Tour de Frances. It's the same bike they're riding right now.
2: How did you get to ride and, it?
1: Yeah.
3: Also um, tour de France was the only word that I
1: recognized in that <laughs> entire like long <laughs> sentence. Yeah, um, the the guys at bike line, I'm, I'm not a, I, they have a team and I couldn't be on that team because I'm 67, but um, they let me represent. And that means I ride in their gear, their kits and appear to be on their team, but um, I'm really good friends with them. And some guy had to order, they are the Pinarello dealers here. And there aren't very many Pinarello dealers. When I was out in California, I saw a shop in Palo Alto that only sold Pinarellos. That's like a shop that, only sells leisure suits for men over seven feet tall. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so um very, very specialty shop. But <laughs> point, yeah, but the point is that um this somebody ordered one and they built it, but they weren't gonna deliver it to him until in Chicago, until Friday, and the guy from Bike Line just called and said, Would you like to ride this bike? I'll drop it off. Is that
3: something they do? Like this bike that was someone else's or- order and Is he, no, he he's I
2: not a, a so. friend of the pot is he is he going to find out that his bike was ridden at least 3 <laughs> times before he received it? Well,
1: no, they don't care. He he would be he would this is what the bike line guys would say. We let somebody who knows what a bike is supposed to be about. Ride your bike and make sure that there was nothing wrong with it. Because there was something wrong with it. There was something that I said mm. when I got done, you need to adjust this on it. And they said, Thank you, we'll take care of it. Because somebody's gotta wow. ride a thats a b that is a thirteen, fourteen thousand dollar bike. You know, you know, you're not messing around. I have never ridden anything like it. It was it took this is the honest truth. It took me about a hundred yards to figure the bike out and Within that little space, I knew that I had I was in a different world. It was amazing. That bike is so fast and so aerodynamic and so it's the machine that you dream about if you're a cyclist. I've never had anything like that happen. They said at bike line that um, they'll the next time they get a trek build like that. They'll let me ride it to see if I'm interested. You know, I can't, I'm never going to buy a $13,000 bike.
0: So what's, so a bike like that you normally ride and this bike, what, what, what do you notice? Like what, what are the things? Cause my bike was like $70. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is going to like, everybody's going to think I'm absolutely nuts, but the bike that I have, I did not pay this much for it. And I just want you to know, like, I, it's like, I, we don't have time on the pod to tell you how I got it. But it, when
3: it was <laughs> new, when it was I'm new. the afraid that was, it might incriminate you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. but yeah. when I, know, it's like, no, it had to do with a bike that I'd had built. The Trek bought the company and they owed me a bike when the frame cracked after a wreck and all this stuff. So I ended up with a $13,000 bike. It was $13,000 retail if I'd have bought it off the shelf but I didn't pay hardly anything for it. But that was six years ago. And and the thing about um, the bikes at the top end is that technology is changing as rapidly in bikes as it is in any other world. Mm-hmm. And so every piece on that new bike was electronic. The shifting and the brakes and everything. Every, well, no, the brakes are not electronic. But the, everything about that bike was just built to go really fast for a long time and I never and it did man I just I was out just rocking and (laughs) the only thing about it that's weird is that I stopped at a a light and this young kid with a cool bike he had a BMC and he pulled up next to me and I'm sitting on a Pinarello Dogma F12 okay (laughs) and I know what he's thinking stupid old man rich man who has this bike and if I had that bike, I'd be winning everything. I'm, I knew he was saying that. And he wasn't, he wasn't the, he was, you like, challenging you, like revving his bike. Uh, no, but he did. Like, this you is, want to go old man? Yeah. <laughs> essentially what he did. I said, I looked at him a second and I said, it's not mine. <laughs> I said, he didn't have to say anything. I pointed to my shirt and I said, it's theirs and I'm testing it for them. Oh, Tim, and, you don't have to explain yourself. No, I do. I f- No, it's like and
3: then you smoked him and you just like <laughs> I did not
1: smoke him. I let him go. I let him go. And uh-huh. he took off from the when the light changed and he just humped it off. And I thought, well, um I'm just going to catch his butt and we'll just see what happens. So I did. And then <laughs> I, when I caught him, then I backed off and let him go ahead and I turned off because I didn't want to turn it into a 20 mile whatever.
0: And then he immediately (laughs) went home and sold his bike and he'll never ride again. He'll ride it.
1: He's probably telling a story on some podcast. I really want to know
2: how he would tell this story. (laughs) I (laughs) really want to hear his side right now.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I was trying my best not to. (laughs) The problem was that we did have a bit of a conversation. And then he asked me what kind of a bike I said, I have a Trek Madone six with a full de grupo and then it made it worse Not the
2: so. yeah.
3: condolences tim yeah. Wait. <laughs> congratulations i don't know what to say to what you just said yeah. so well i'm, I'm gonna happy
1: tell for you, you what you say you say oh my goodness that's what you
4: say
0: <laughs> okay wow tim that's
4: wow
0: i'm um, yeah. so happy like... for you man because you you uh you when you got that for like 24 hours or whatever you, you were pumped to talk about it and you were just about to go out on the ride. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard how that ride went. It so. was,
1: it was unimaginable. It was, so
2: did you do a route that you've done before and check your times on that bike versus on the bike you have now just to know how much no. faster
1: you went? No, the best part about it, Marin, was that it didn't have a computer on it, and I didn't want to put my computer on it. I didn't want to do anything to the bike that might scratch it or uh-huh. just leave any mark of any kind. And so I was riding completely blind in terms of pace, uh, power meter, any of the stuff that you pay attention to when you're cycling. Uh-huh. And I, and it just, it, I, I just, you know, the difference when you're in a car and it's going 65 miles an hour. And when it's going 90 miles an hour, mm-hmm. you just know the difference. And, I that's sure do. The, and that's the same kind of thing. I just knew I was going way faster and <laughs> anybody on a bike that was in front of me. I just zoomed up on them. I went right by him. And hmm. uh, yeah, it was cool. Hmm. Anyway, it was uh, it's like if somebody lets you um, said, hey, I'm going to bring a Indianapolis race car over and you can drive it for a day. That would be so, awesome.
3: So real quick, pet peeve of mine. Uh, I'm a hundred percent fine with the idea of people at your level, Tim, riding their bikes in one of the car lanes. Ooh, here can't we go. And our guys that are definitely not at that level who just because they don't want to go up and down the sidewalks are choosing to go in the car and everyone has like, to go around in uh, their huge backup of traffic. Like
0: dads and trailers. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. 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 I, it's just like oh. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah, pull there, a trailer. there's
1: a big difference between a cyclist and a guy on a bike. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I guess that's my pet peeve. Guys yeah. on bikes, use the sidewalks,
1: please. <laughs> I, I had a guy pull up alongside of me one time when I was riding and he rolled he rolled the passenger window down. And he yelled, why don't you ride that bike on the sidewalk? And I said to him, look how fast we're going. <laughs> and he, goes, he goes, we're going 23, 24 miles an hour. I said, yeah, we're going 23 or 24 miles an hour. How can I possibly ride a bicycle at that speed on a sidewalk? Yeah, right. you would. It was in Westfield and the sidewalks are made out of concrete and they put them down in about 1963. <laughs> and you know how they're like all like this. He yeah, right yeah, says. Yeah. This is well, I just wondered, it just seems so weird that you would, and I'm thinking, do you realize what you're, what's going on right now? <laughs> so, do you
3: realize what I'm riding right now? It is a, it is a yeah, know,
1: geothermal, know, geothermal know, 60X 12. 12. <laughs> Six with a full group I
2: just know my chain guard is rattling and uh, my fenders <laughs> don't allow for speed. Mary, do you have a banana seat? No, I do not have a banana seat uh, with a little flag on a stick. <laughs> No. Uh, and some well, some t- rattling things in my spokes. No,
1: I don't. I don't <laughs> want to. I know that this is, sounds like I'm stupid about this, but the most no way I love it. The, the coolest thing in my life is that my wife knows all this stuff. And she also knows literally every rider in the ma- in the pro peloton. And when we watch races together, she says things like, I can't believe that Pr- primo road gelas just did a breakaway with so she'll say stuff like that. It's like, I love you. <laughs> 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 yes, that's awesome. Oh, that's it awesome. is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. All right,
0: guys, we're in week two of our sermon series. If you only knew, yep. nailed it, nailed it. Uh, Amy gave the sermon week one about caring for aging parents. Tim, you are here because you you gave the sermon in week two, uh, which is centered around parenting uh, adult children. Right. So for anybody who hasn't seen the sermon yet or listened to it, what was kind of the big big idea behind it? What do you want people to walk away remembering or hearing from your um, word this past weekend?
1: Well, I think that the primary things were that um, there is a very clear message in that passage, the one verse that I concentrated on from Ephesians 6, that the way in which adults are to relate to their adult children has a lot to do with the way that Jesus related to his adult disciples, and that um, we have a, a great responsibility as older adults to be the ones who are protecting and guarding our adult children's hearts and lives by being Jesus to them. And I, that was my main, main idea that um, I wanted people to remember what it was like to be the age of their adult children and then to uh, treat them with the kind of, uh, I would say, great. I used the word cherish that cherish them. Mm-hmm. to to treat their adult children in ways that build up their spirits and and do the same kinds of things that jesus was doing and what he i talked about the way that jesus prayed for us and i just think there's a a, a lack of that kind of thing and I wanted to talk about it. I don't think I, you know, and an interesting thing for me was that I came up with a bunch of that stuff uh, from studying the Greek and really looking at it. And then I read FF F. Bruce and he said everything I'd said. Mm-hmm. And I thought, first I thought, Oh, Everybody's going to think I read F.F. Bruce and came up with his stuff and just used and it. But that was, that was my yeah. first time. Right where they Yeah, went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> but, you know, if you, what's like say, it's like saying in today's world that you've come up with some really interesting ideas about something that makes sense. And yeah. then you, you write it all down and then you pick up a Tom Wright book. Yeah. And he says the same things, and you go, "Huh," and that's what it would be for FF Bruce with Greek. And so I just felt like I, I honestly felt almost inspired by the whole process because um, it it's not a, it was helpful for me to do it and to talk about yeah. it because I am a parent of a and also I I was my dad has been wonderful, mm. my mother was awful. And she's gone and, and she's not here to defend herself, but she would, just was awful to all three of us as adult children. Hmm. And and I think it was her own insecurities, but if somebody had told her this stuff, it uh, might've helped.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, we talked a little bit about this last week with Amy, but obviously this is a, this is a personal, this is coming from a personal place because you are the father of three adult children. <clears throat> And so So, what I, what I'd like to hear from you is, is I've known, I've known you for a long time and you seem to be like, you're, you're kind of the guy around grace. At least I knew you when I was in high school and you were kind of like, you were kind of like a surrogate dad to a lot of people, a lot of people. Um, But at what point were you, at what point? Did you realize, cause you, you talked about how we got to give our parents breaks because they didn't expect this to come on to them. You know, they, they didn't expect this to come on to them this way or this fast. At what point were you, at what point did you feel like you, you were ready to, or did you feel like you had to make the transition from fathering children to fathering adults? What what was that like for
1: your, you and your life? Well, to be perfectly honest, I think that I had experienced such a different – the way that it was done to me by my mom, not my dad, but was such that I was was on my guard from the minute it started. In fact, I think my kids really would say that there were – they wish There were times when they wished that I would be more a dad to them when they were first, like, in their early 20s and those kinds of things. And my daughter, Emily, will call and say, she's 42. I just had a conversation with her like this, and she said, I need my dad. And so it was, that's... I'll be honest, Tyler, I have been very, very aware of this from the beginning. And much of it was that I knew that we had, as best we could, we had raised our children to think for themselves and to uh, try things for themselves and to become, uh, I would say, aware of the world and a lot of stuff. And I had to trust them. Because the one thing I did not say in my sermon that really stuck with me was um, I read William Barclay, who I think I told you, Barry, I read his book on all this and his background book on the book of Ephesians. And on that particular chapter in that verse, he said, when you question your when you go after your children for their decision making, then you, what you're really doing is or when you try to intervene and tell them what to do, what you're doing is you're actually saying you poorly raised your children.
0: Oh, you're talking about your, like you're making a statement about yourself or yourself.
1: Something. And yeah. that resonated with me hmm. and has always resonated with me that, um, I, I, I'm conscious of the fact that we worked really hard to make our children independent in their thinking, but there's also this point when I, I need to back in and be dad again. Yeah. Mm. And and the part about complimenting your children, that really struck me because I'm the kind of guy that when people do what they're supposed to do, I think they did what they're supposed to (laughs) do, or that was smart and I just move on. But my kids need to hear from me that I'm proud of them Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I've told you this before, but my dad, you know, I was a college div one runner and my dad never saw me run until I was out of college and running in a meet for people who were trying to get into the Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. And he was busy and it was family situation, no fault of that. But it was just like he was not aware of he was just not aware of me as a human being, particularly because of the circumstances of our lives. And it didn't bother me at the time, but I know that my children want me to be aware of the circumstances of their lives. Right now, Elizabeth has a nine-year-old and two rowdy six-year-old twins, and they're living in Crested Butte in away from where they normally live because of the pandemic thing and i need to know that this is really a pressure thing for her i need Mm -hmm. to really think about it rather than just and i need to tell her hey you're doing a really good job Mm -hmm. man you're doing a really good job Mm -hmm. because that's me saying that boosts her spirits Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean it so
0: so you focus primarily on ephesians 6 4 yeah, and I'm I'm just going to read that passage so that we can bounce off of it. But it's Ephesians six four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Yeah. Um. And you you spent some time talking about how this is statements like this in Paul's letter was like pretty revolutionary, right? Uh,
1: radical, yeah, radical in terms of cultural norms.
0: Yeah, yeah. and. If you haven't listened to the sermon, I encourage you to go listen to what what all those are because you gave a list. You you talked about how how Paul talks about submitting between wives and husbands is is radical and how we treat our children was radical. And it got me thinking about um it got me thinking about why he did it. Why did he do that? Why did he decide to to do that? What and and you said this is kind of like this is the way Jesus nurtured people that he, he cherished. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, why, why do you think Paul took that approach? If the world he was living in was like not down with that, is it just to be radical or was there, do no, you think there was another no, reason? I
1: think that, um, I think he was well aware of the fact that the the purpose of the, the body of christ in the world is to to show the rest of the world what god intends for people what he intended when he made us i think that we are we are the template that others should be following because we are the ones who who represent the one who made us in the first place and intended for us to live in a certain manner and there is absolutely nothing nothing about the ways of the first century world that represent the heart of God when it comes to the way people are supposed to relate to one another. Yeah, And and so I think all Paul is doing is taking people back to the givens. I think the reason the givens of the Holy spirit, I think there, I think this is Tim. Okay. I'm just, this is Tim. I think too, that he'd been, damaged by his relationship with his own father in some manner. And so it was personal. I think that there's, you know, he couldn't have been a, he could not have been a Pharisee and not been married. And so there was a wife sometime that, and we don't know that they, people speculate she died or that did she leave him because he became a Christian or what they because, you know, one of the reasons that a Jewish woman could divorce their husband is became a heretic. And hmm. so she could have divorced him because of his uh, following of Jesus at the time. And so we don't know, but he's he's going after these relationships either because he's heard there's a bunch of crap going on in, these, in, in Ephesus yeah. or else there's something that touches him so deeply that he has to talk about it because Christians have to be different in the world. Or else what do any – why would – why would anybody want to follow Jesus if all it leads to is the exact same thing yeah I mean yeah. and i I uh, I th- yeah it's really radical stuff it is really radical stuff
3: I mean and there's it was a common genre like a lot of philosophers would do this and they would do a household codes where they would say yeah here's what I say about marriage. Here's what I say about your slaves. Here's what I say about your children. And so Paul was following, he does this in several letters where he'll, and so does Peter, where they give kind of a Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. bullet point list of, here's how you should live as these, in these relationships. But of course his whole take is in the way of Jesus, which is totally radical. And so he's doing a normal thing but with a radical content, reinterpreting right. things that, that would completely overturn
0: people's expectations.
1: Right. I, so, that's right.
0: So this made me think of, you know, in Sunday school, when we think of Jesus, we think of him like surrounded by kids and like, he is, that? but he so is. was that radical too. And when, when he was doing that Absolutely, stuff, were yeah. people like, what is going on? Why is well, Why are you doing that?
1: Yeah. There's actually an episode where the, the disciples are driving the kids away. And he says, stop that. Yeah. And yeah, there's the whole thing about the value of human beings, individual value of human beings is so Christian. It's so Christian. If nothing else, I don't know. I don't know that we would have the high value for individual worth in the world anywhere if it weren't for Christianity. Mm. And there are these passages that sometimes in the church, we use them as big clubs to maintain some sort of structure. But in the rest of the world, they I mean, think about how the Bible in its true sense, if you actually follow it, what it does for anybody who's been oppressed under power structures. Yeah. And uh, and wives children slaves i mean it just goes on and on i mean that barclay book i was talking about it said if people think that the bible did a great deal to give dignity to women which it does they also need to know that it actually made children people yeah and that's to us that's crazy we worship our children right but they barely paid attention to and the other thing is this guys you're an adult at 13. Mm. There's no idea. You know, teenagers is a 20th century term that you were a kid, you were a, a padeon until you were 13 and then hmm. you were an adult. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, that, that, whole, oh my goodness. You know, it's like it all shifts. The whole idea of what's going on is so different. I'm glad
2: that you said that because. Tim, that was one of the things that kept kind of gnawing at me as I listened to your message. I have a 16-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. They're learning to drive. They're just starting to kind of flex those wings of independence. And I kept having to ask myself, okay, so upon the day that my son turns 18 (laughs) years old, I will no longer (laughs) give him unsolicited advice. Upon that very hour, yeah, like when question. when does this stuff go into effect, Tim? When
0: do I start Because <laughs> he's going to need some unsolicited <laughs> advice well into his twenties.
1: I, th- I think you have to have a close enough relationship to understand that. But I know that when I came home after my first semester of college at eighteen, I didn't particularly care what my parents had to say to me. Now, yeah. they, um, that that's different for everybody. You know, I um, I just heard a statistic that um, the first time I'm not changing the subject, brother. For the first time since 1940, more than half of all adults between the ages of 18 and 30 are living with their parents. More half? than half. No, more than half. More than half of American adults between the ages oh. of eight, 30, 18 and 30 are living with their parents. And the last time that was true was in 1940. Wow! And so, wow. and that being said, this is a real issue because I know when I was, I, you guys know that I went, when I went, moved my sold, everything we had and moved my family to England back when I was 26, by the way, my two kids and my wife and we, we left everything and moved to England, thinking we weren't coming back. And then I got kicked out and had to come home. Probably the worst. Um, I was working without a work <laughs> Maren's like,
0: got, oh, that's a story. I really here. wanted there to be uh, some yeah, story. And then <laughs> I got kicked out of Old
2: England. He, England. He, was, he got kicked
3: <laughs> out of England because he was rescuing animals from a burning barn.
1: That's exactly true. But. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, but the point is that I came back and I'd sold our home and I'd sold our car and everything. And I mean, I'm just saying I'd been an adult for a long time in my mind. And I had to move back in with my Mm -hmm. mother because I didn't have anywhere to go. And probably the worst three months of my life were my, my two children and my very pregnant wife, who was like nine months pregnant when we finally left that house. was living in that house with my mother because I was 27 and an adult and, mm-hmm. and she was not particularly respectful. Yeah. Because somehow well, the fact that I was there was a sign. That I was a, failure. Mm. I uh, a sure. failure. I wasn't a failure. The circumstances of my life led to that. And I was doing everything I can could to remedy it. And, but she was, yeah, it was different.
3: Well, Tim, yeah. you, you talked in your sermon a little bit about the fact that it's really hard for parents of adult children to, to recognize how much they've changed, how much they've grown up. Cause you, you've even said this, when I think about my kids, I think about them like this. And you showed a picture of them as young children and then you said, this is what they really look like. And, yeah. um, and it, it, I mean, it resonated with me cause I've, I had, my, my parents were wonderful when it, they, they probably f- fulfilled just about everything on your list, um, they were very respectful. They were very, very careful not to overstep their bounds. But even so I went through probably, I probably went and lived in their basement again, three or four times from the point where I went off to college to the point where I, you know, got my own apartment. Like I'd, I'd go back every now and then, even before I got married, I let the lease run out of my old apartment and then went and lived back with them for a little while. Yeah. But, and so I, I'm doing, doing all that. And it's so funny how just they like they can't help themselves. They still treat you a little <laughs> bit like you're in high school when you're living right. there, even
1: though, you know, I've yes, already had yeah. a job and a, it's so. It's yeah. because it's the last time they had any ongoing continual relationship with you. In that house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In that house. I think I realized it back when I was a swim parent, I could tell, from other swim parents when their seventh grader, they were treating their seventh grader like they were fifth graders. And I noticed that right away that as kids change quickly, the parents were not changing and they were leaning into things that they knew the kids liked two Mm. years ago Mm -hmm. or even a year ago. I know the difference between a kid in the fifth grade and the kid in the sixth grade now because of Mm. middle school is so different and their tastes and music and movies and fashion and everything changes. And the kids are excited about the changes in the world. And the parents are still thinking that they are that little kid in the fourth grade. And it's hard to stay on top of that. I'll tell you the story for me, I was in a car with a bunch of my, my, my daughter, Emily in the car, and she was probably 12 and, and, They were listening to music on the radio and back at that time, I don't know what it was. It might've been Brandy for all I remember. But (laughs) anyway, um, I said, Emily, you like that song? It's such a teeny bopper song. And she goes, dad, I'm a teeny bopper. (laughs) You're right. You're right. And it just triggered, <laughs> it just went like that in my mind. Like, yeah, yeah, you are. I I mean, it's like, it's okay for you to like this song. I actually, I like the song too. And it was <laughs> sitting up in my room. i oh, so, yeah, that <laughs> is Randy. yeah, and, and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, she has moved from where she doesn't care what I'm listening, what we're listening to, to where she cares about it. And she's saying yeah. the words and she said, and I wasn't paying attention. And now suddenly this is who she is. And I need to, I need to pay attention to that. You know, it's like why a late thirties, early forties year old man should know anything about Brandy. I don't know, but I can tell you this much (laughs) that it helps with her that I knew about it. And I gave her respect Mm -hmm. for actually finding something that now was her own. Mm -hmm. That's so, now on and that's the way that's the way you I've got to think about it with my adult kids now I don't have any idea what it is to live in the mountains and have everybody in my family ride a mountain bike every day and do this mountain bike stuff my kids that live in Colorado do that but I'm not going to go oh why are they wasting their money and time on mountain biking because then what I do is I say to them you've made a decision about who you want to be in the world that I find um, unproductive or unimportant and that's the fastest way I can alienate them Yeah. And if, if, even if I don't understand it I want to ask about it and be positive about it because it's a choice they've made as adults to bring that into their kids family and until it's like ridiculous or they ask me if I think if they don't ask me anything about it why would I have why would I state my opinion about it unless it was like damaging in some way like really damaging yeah.
3: so, um, Tim here's the question sorry, Tyler, were you going to ask a follow-up question? Cause I have another for question it. on that. Um, so that just made me think about the number of times I've had parents of adult, mainly young adult men or yeah, young men, twenties who are living at home with their parents and who are pretty, pretty heavily involved in video games. And I've had, mothers especially come to me and say, I've heard you mention you used to be addicted to video games. What do I do to, to fix my kid basically? Or like, how do I help them? Cause they seem to be addicted and I don't know how to get them out of it. So how would you apply a, this kind of thinking to something like that? If they're in their twenties, but they're down in the their parents basement playing video games all day how does a parent in that situation who doesn't value their choices for pastime
1: how do <laughs> no. they how do they okay. apply this that's a um, good question that is a good question and you know my normal answer is give me 24 hours to think about it yeah of course come of course i'm back, back with it let me just um, put you on the spot
2: well and how do you do that without unsolicited advice yeah. you know if i were you i would get a job like <laughs> Do you do that without unsolicited advice?
1: I don't know. Uh, What I would probably do or I would recommend, I don't know what I would do. I didn't have that problem. So for that issue, I would ask enough questions about what they were doing so they could find some way to understand what was going on. Mm. I think that we make our judgments from a position of outside looking in. Mm -hmm. And if we ask enough questions, we might find out enough about the inside to have some insight into it. Um, I I did some recently did uh, marriage counseling with a couple where the husband to be was sort of like that Mm -hmm. sort of like that then when I found out about his um, wedding party they were all people he played video games with online and he hadn't seen them since high school and he's in his late 20s but they still play video games online and I know that I'm unsure that he plays the game. He was playing the game because he loved the game so much, but that it was like a social thing for him to be with people he knew and loved. And, and I, I didn't want to, I, I'm not in any place to say you should not be playing two hours of video games. If he was out like riding a bike with those guys for two hours or, you know, or if he was just hanging out or painting or anything, we wouldn't say (laughs) that that's stupid, but if it's Mm. a video game, Simply because, and so I think it's asking enough questions. The problem is people tend to go into those kinds of discussions with an opinion already formed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, they're not looking to learn anything. They just want to get it around to where they can tell them what they think they ought to do. Right. And here's the other thing. I'm just going to be straight up. I don't know that when I was 15 and I'd had access to the video games that people have now that I wouldn't have been addicted to them. Mm -hmm. I know that I... I did what kids did when I was doing it. It's just, we didn't have that stuff. Right. We, we did other things. Hmm. And and I'll be honest, my parents thought that I'd grow out of or, ne- or stop soon or that I was crazy for doing most of what I did. Hmm. And it's just a generational assumption that everything past me is goofy. I can always tell, or I don't do this anymore, but I could always tell the relationship that parents had with their kids teenagers if when you got in the car and turned the car on and the radio came on to an oldies station we got problems
2: <laughs> well desi just chose bobby darren as her road trip music yesterday that's so. <laughs> that's
1: her choice that's different it's one thing to introduce them to that it's another thing to demand that they're gonna right. listen to the dave clark five all day today <laughs> they want to or not.
2: right well and so that that, that, that hits on two of the things that you said in your list um for parents who are parenting adult children. Um, and they're huge things. You said to ask questions either to show that you understand or that you want to understand. Even right. if you don't understand, just showing them that you, you care and you want to understand is huge. But what goes hand in hand in that is not making judgments or – as you clarified, we're all going to make judgments, but we should keep those judgments to ourselves. Not every opinion right. needs to be shared out loud. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to express a judgment, especially if, you know, if my
1: son comes and he has, he comes to me and says, what do you think I ought to do about this? And I'm thinking, well, first off, you shouldn't have gotten your butt in this kind of sling. <laughs> you know, if I said, if that's the first thing out of my mouth, we got, sure. we're going to have problems. Mm. But, um that's a judgment that I should keep to myself. Yeah. Yeah. You made this decision and it was stupid, but that's, I mean, he's never really done anything like that. To be perfectly honest, my son is amazing. He's very cautious and careful, but that I'm just talking about the fact that if I were to start out with a Mm -hmm. judgment, when he's asked me for advice, he's not going to listen to me. Yeah. Right. and, even if what I tell him is exactly what he needs to do, and it's very wise and comes from great experience, he's not going to pay attention to me because I've already shamed him. Yeah, mm.
0: and the goal here isn't necessarily to be a good "quote unquote" good parent. It's to it's to you, the way you put it is nurture. Yep, train up children the way Jesus nurtures the ones he cherishes. So the yeah. goal really is is not just like be a good dad or be a good mom. It's like treat people the way that Jesus nurtured the people that he loves. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Right. Well, the best way for me to have my children want to follow Jesus is to treat them like in such ways that they, when they hear the words of Jesus, they are happy about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Cause that's the problem that parents get. How can I get my 24 year old to come back to church I don't care if he comes back to church. I just want him to follow Christ in whatever way Jesus leads him. And the only person right now that's in his life that he's thinking about that has a relationship with Jesus is me. Mm. That's yep. what I. I mean, that's the way it comes across. You know, I, I just want people to recognize that.
0: Tim and Marin, you guys are you guys are the ones with uh, adult children here. Mm-hmm. No, Tim, um, just Tim. Well, I mean 13.
2: <laughs> nope.
3: Parents <laughs> refusing to uh, fall into that category, Tyler. So,
0: Tim, one of the one of the things you said that uh, I will remember is you said do everything to stay current with who the yeah. who your children are in wow. like right now, yeah, right now. Yeah. And you could look past that comment and just be like, "All right, what do I got to do?" Like get a TikTok account? Like what do I like what do I what am I supposed <laughs> to be doing here? But your kids were all into very specific things growing up, Tim, like the running and the Swim, swimming yeah. and different things.
1: Yeah. But that's not all they were into. I but mean.
0: at what point my, my question, and this is from Aaron too, like at, at what point were you like, cause it sounds like you, you were all in on that stuff. You're all in on the marching band right. stuff. You're all in, you're like, you're all in if I, if he's into it or that she's into it, I'm into it. Uh, was that just like natural for you guys or is that a decision that you guys had to make at some point?
2: Oh, to be all in with what they're into. Yeah. Um, again, like Tim said, that's not the only thing that they were into. And for some activities, it's easier to do that than with others. It's so much easier with, with marching band to go to the competitions and to wear the, you know, school colors and to give your support. Um, in that way, for one, it's easy to do that because it's the thing that gives your kids so much life and you like participating in those activities and, yeah. and showing your kid that you're there for them. And, and you're proud of them with that. It's
0: a little but like the, the brandy, the brandy right. example. Well, if Jaden came home and he was like, mom, have you heard of Avril Lavigne? <laughs> would you be like, I want to know everything you know about Avril Lavigne? Or would you be like, no, don't listen to well, that. Well, I got to like, be what? open
2: to it. And it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I, I think I might've said this on the pod before, but we just spent, gosh, eight or nine hours in the car over the last two days going to and from Chicago and visiting a bunch of family members. And our favorite thing to do on road trips is to just pass the iPhone around and have everyone pick a song. And it's so cool because it's the coolest shuffle on earth. My family has really good taste in music, Until they don't. And Jaden is into this one guy (laughs) that kind of drives me up a wall. His name is Jacob Collier. And this is like a kind of guy that, I mean, he's obviously incredibly talented, but his music tends to lean more toward the weird for the sake of weird side and sometimes you just want to groove to something you just want like a a beat you can actually rock out to and i just can't rock out to this jacob collier guy and so there comes a point honestly as a mom where every time it's Jaden's turn i'm kind of holding my breath like oh please great here we go Wilco or something son please don't pick this jacob (laughs) collier
0: so okay but do you are you like
2: i'm asking questions I do. Okay. I do. I do. I asked Jaden, how did you get into this guy? And what is it that you like about why his do you music? Like some, and, why
3: do you like something so terrible? And, yeah. and, <laughs> Good neutral and I'm honest
2: with the fact that that's not necessarily for me, but I don't care mm-hmm. if it's for you. You know, I don't want to be yeah. that parent that like goes out and buys Jacob Collier t-shirts just to show my son how cool I am. I don't want to do that. Like if I'm not into it, we can, We can have a pretty objective conversation about the things we like and don't like, especially as it pertains to music. Now, where this gets really sensitive, Jaden has a little girlfriend now, and I can ask a bunch of questions there, too. And again, Tim, you said to... Accept their significant other with open arms because it will Uh-oh. make things easier in the long run. Yeah, I,
1: I think I was thinking about older people when I was oh, talking about Oh, for sure, that. for sure. But I, I know that I'm at the point
2: where I can't shut those things down, and I do no, need you, to ask questions. The one thing you can't do, Marin is you can't
1: endear yourself to a young girl who, how old are they, 15? 16, 16? yeah. You can't endear yourself to her because that relationship, it may last, but it probably right. won't. And the last thing you need to be is best friends with these girls. <laughs> <Right.
2: That's laughs> cool. I'm seeing her, seeing her, buying that. her matching pajamas <laughs> for this Christmas. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah, you know, you don't want that. Don't do it. <laughs> My yeah, you got walk
3: that line, Aaron. Because if you if you if you do that, you'll end up you know driving her driving your son away. And if you go the other direction and and reject her, then you'll drive him straight into her arms. Straight so. into
1: her arms. Yeah, you're you're screwed either way, there. Man. Yeah, uh, I uh, yeah, I was um, I don't know what I was gonna say. Never mind. Sorry, I yeah. interrupted you. That's okay. That's right.
2: Did that answer your question, Tyler? Like about. Yeah, I mean, like you, you're a parent. Your son went from being super into like horses. And then the next oh, thing he's I gonna knew, be in, he was he, super into Buzz Lightyear. And I don't even know what he's on yeah. to now.
0: I don't know. Well, I asked him yesterday what his favorite thing was. And it was whatever's in its hand. <laughs> it's like, it's not a real feeling. It's just like, what? It's this. My favorite thing is Apple. You know, like, it's...
1: Yeah, pe- kids who are into music are going to roll from thing to thing to thing anyway. And and he'll stop listening to, which is Jason Collier. Uh, he'll stop... Is that his name? J- Jason Collier? Jacob, I think it's Jacob. Jacob Collier. Jacob Collier. Yeah. He'll stop listening to that at some point. So. And then when he's in his 30, he'll be 35... <laughs> And he'll either listen to it and go, Man, was I really ahead of my time? Yeah. Or he'll go, What was I thinking?
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: That's what I've been doing with some of my music. What was for I my, thinking? <laughs> my school
1: years. Yeah. How did I like this? Yeah. Well, yeah, um, I, I do that. I'm often shocked at what was driving me. And if my father had told me it was terrible, I would have been even more in love with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So Maren
0: alluded to it, but Tim, you gave 15 kind of words of wisdom or tips uh, to to parents who are in the situation where they're parenting adult children. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put all the, that whole list in the, in the show notes, but but Maren and Barry, were there, were there one or two that like stood out to you guys that you're like, I have to remember this, or this is going to be a challenge for me or, um, because they were for me so i, I was curious if, Well yeah
2: you and it's stood the out. fact that he gave two lists Tim you gave you gave a list yeah. for if you are parenting adult children which i know that's right on my horizon but then you also gave a list that said as an adult child here's yeah. how you can approach your parent
1: with Mhm. Yeah, I uh, we wanted to make sure we weren't just keeping the whole thing for just one sec- segment, and I thought about it. I thought that list was probably more negative than it should have been. I didn't offer any, like, sweetness and light opportunities in the list, but I didn't have much time, and I went 10 minutes too long early, or anyway, so we'll just leave it at that. But, um, uh, The there are some things I I know that it's really easy to get defensive when you feel like you're under some kind of microscope or you're being pressured all the time by somebody else. And yet and yet this is one thing that I did experience with my own kids was that they would make assumptions about something, an opinion that I might have and then come home ready to argue with
4: me about it.
1: And hmm. that didn't happen very often, but it happened enough that I noticed it. And it, it kind of bothered me because at the time I wasn't argumentative about even the issue that was being brought up. You know? so, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. I think, I mean, I already said, Tyler, I already said that the one that really stood, stuck out to me was the idea of like knowing that your children are changing and, and, I mean, I, I want to remember that, that, that my kids are not going to be the same, you know, year to year. They're different people. I, I need to stay current with them. But then as far as me being the, uh, an adult child to my parents, I think the thing that, that I'm working on is, is related to the idea of, you know, don't just hang out with them at, big holiday events, uh, or whatever and birthdays. Now I'm not that extreme with my family, but what I've realized is as things have gotten busier with work, um, back when I was single and running a nonprofit, if I was home, I saw my family, like I I was calling my sister weekly. I was having dinner with my parents at least once or twice a week. Like I saw them a ton and now I'm married. I have a way more demanding like schedule and you're a grown it, up boy. I'm a grown <laughs> up boy. And it just takes, it takes a lot more intentionality for me to think like, Oh, I should call my mom while I'm driving to this place or, Oh, I should, we should try to have a family dinner together. And it, and I hate to say that. I wish it was, I wish it was more easy and just natural, but we, we really do have to be intentional. And so it was a good reminder for me even just to to keep at that because that's part of
1: what it means for me to be a good son. For- My youngest daughter does that. She will call me. It'll be a really weird time. And she'll go, dad, I was driving from Colorado Springs to Denver to go to a conference. And I thought, I'll just call my dad and see if Mm -hmm. we can talk. And Mm -hmm. I've got to be honest. That's That means more to me than anything because it means that she's thinking of me as somebody in her life that she just wants to spend a little time talking about her life and my life. Yeah. With. And and even if all we talk about is something completely unrelated to anything in our lives, like we talk about the, I don't know, the, how fast the 5,000-meter times are at the <laughs> NCAA championships, I'll take it. Um, yeah. 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 I'll take it. Because that's just regular yeah. life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Marin?
2: Um, there's two on the, the 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 last list that you gave was more for people who are my age who have parents that are still around and and how we can relate to them. And um, number seven on your list was be quick to offer and ask for forgiveness. And number fourteen uh-huh. was apologize. And forgive, and for somebody who just had uh, a four and a half hour counseling session on Mm -hmm. sex, that's kind of where I'm at. And and without going into any detail, really, it's because of things that were really done poorly on the first list that you gave, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and we're having to work some things out now because of that. You know, in retrospect, Um, so I mean, I I was listening to the sermon today because I was gone yesterday and you know, hanging out with grandma who was being celebrated by her adult children and her adult grandchildren, and even some of her adult great, great grandchildren. And I was thinking if, if at all possible, it would be so awesome to be able to gather the family and listen to this message together.
1: Mm -hmm. God, I can't believe you said that because that I'm, that just breaks my heart. I left that message thinking that I had failed Grace Church on saturday night i felt that way thank you thank you i really did i had a my. i had a knockdown with my wife afterwards she hadn't heard it she's in chicago and i felt a complete utter mm. failure in what i'd said i felt i had not followed the the leading of the spirit in it for some reason and that that i needed to cut it way down because i really didn't have enough oh, to wow. say and, mm. and i'm sorry that you said that it's just it gives me um, Hmm. strength
2: Hmm. no Tim thank you really like I I was thinking if families could listen to this together and lovingly Mm -hmm. have a conversation with actually yeah I really I resonated when Tim said you know one of the things you said that made me resonate was not to helicopter parent your parents. I I did that. My parents, as I became an adult, I started to become more scrutinizing of the way they spent their money or the way they took care of their health or didn't take care of their health. And and I felt like yeah. I I have been that. I've been a helicopter parent to my parents. So Tim, I feel like the Holy Spirit was all over your message. And yeah, for sure. absolute oh, practicality. And I feel like this okay. is a message that whether you're at this stage in your life or not, it is something you can come back to. And I thank God for the internet because someday I really would like to sit down with my dad and my kids and myself and my husband and talk about how this message applies to all of us and how we can love each other Mm -hmm. like Christ. I think Mm -hmm. the most um, revolutionary thing that you said in this message for me personally, Tim, was to pray over my kids the way that Christ prayed over the church. I've never Mm. thought of that before.
1: Well, he's praying for the people. He was praying for those who are going to represent him in the world. And the reason that we get worked up as parents about our children is because they represent us in the world. And Mm. that's really the bottom line, if you were honest. And I, I have been praying. I have been praying for my children in that way that I know that the way that God has used me in the world is completely different than the way that he used my, has used my parents in the world. Hmm. And the issue always was that my mom wanted me to represent Jesus in the world the way that she thought Jesus should be represented because she felt like she was representing Jesus in the right way. And the truth is that God had nothing for me related to what my mother was in the world other than the fact that we both had had our sins forgiven by the risen Mm. Christ. And, And that's a new space for me because... I mean, you guys know the different situations in my family, and I want them where they are, where God is working in them to bring glory to his name through their lives. And I don't get to mm. say what that is.
4: Mm. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll say one more. Can I tell one more quick story? I don't know how much time we yeah, have. Yeah, of course. When my, When we were living in England years and years ago, and I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. We lived in this little cool little house, and I don't know if you knew this, but the English didn't wash the – they didn't rinse the soap off their dishes when they washed. They would just have one tub with soapy water in it. You wash your dishes, and you just set it to side, and you dry it. What are you supposed to do? You rinse it off so there's no soap on it. And I didn't like that about England because all of my food had a bit of a (laughs) soapiness to it. And I was standing in the kitchen and the window was there's a window right over the sink. And I was doing the dishes and I got to my kids dishes and they're two and four. And I thought, well, you know, I was rinsing my dishes off. I was rinsing mine off so I didn't have soap on it. And I thought, ah, my kids are only little. They don't care whether their food has soap on it or not. And then I looked up and it was night, it was dark, and I could just see my own reflection. And it struck me, they're people.
4: Mm, mm, mm.
1: They don't want their food to be soapy any more than I want my food to be soapy. I need to rinse their dishes. Mm. And it changed my life Mm, mm. because suddenly I had two people who mattered, who had something about them that made it important for me to pay attention to them as mm. real, vibrant human beings. And I'm glad I got the message when they were two and four, yeah. because it meant that whatever it meant for me to rinse their dishes off for the rest of my life, I needed to rinse mm. the dishes, yeah, whatever that meant. Mm. And it, it changed mm. who I am. And it made me think about them, every space, whatever age they were in, what soap do I need to wash off this dish so that I can help them have the life that God wants them to have? And that's just what I was thinking about. I've been thinking, I think about that all the time. It
2: sounds like Mm -hmm. a way of covering your kids, a way of nurturing and protecting your kids. What's the soap? What do I need to rinse off right now?
1: Right. And metaphorically. Yeah. There came a day when they could rinse their own fricking dishes, but I, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I, but, uh, but then I have to, yeah. I have to move out to what is the next thing. Yeah. What yeah. is and, the proverbial? And, and yeah. right now, what it is right now, what it is is that I don't say anything that angers mm-hmm. them immediately or makes them bitter about circumstances related to me and my relationship that I don't say anything that makes them jealous because it's really easy to do that. And I certainly don't want to shame them. Yeah. And I think I said those four yeah. things in the sermon, but those are the things that's the way to, that's the way I think about protecting my kids right now. I protect them. I rinse mm. the soap off. Mm hmm. By never shaming them. That's the, I know all about being shamed. In fact, I think the reason that I felt that I'd failed Grace Church was because I felt shame that I had not lived up to the expectation that I fit what I had to say into 30 minutes instead of 39. Mm -hmm. And I went, I went home thinking I have no right to stand in the pool, but I really did. Because because it it was so deep. The, the the shame is so deep at failing what other people expect of me. Wow. And so I, yeah. And I don't ever want to do that to my kids. I want my kids to fail miserably, wonderfully and have me put my arms around them and say, that was fun. Wasn't it?
0: <laughs> I remember when I was in, uh, I, when I was growing up, my dad was like, I never want to embarrass you. So if there's ever a moment where, Like that's what I I remember. One of the few things that he said as I was growing up. Yeah, and then I was in junior high and my friends were over and he caught me like picking my nose and he was like, "Dig it for gold, (laughs) (laughs) Dad!" Ah, and uh, but that made me think about what we were talking about last week. Can we, and, and it applies to this sermon too, two things. One, can we find the humanity in the people that we love? And that's what you're talking about with the rinsing of the dishes. You found the humanity in your children mm-hmm. in a way that before they were just like, they, they weren't, this is, I mean, they were humans, but it was like, they don't care if they have soap. And maybe they don't, but you're thinking of them as human beings, right? You're finding the humanity in the people that we love. Like my dad is more than, my dad, I talked about this last week. He's Phil. He, he doesn't have the rule book Mm -hmm. to be a dad to an adult, you know, like, so can I give him a break when he can't find the Netflix button on his remote? And he thinks Milo's soccer games tomorrow when it's like three days from now, you know, like, can I give him the break and see the humanity in him? Because I love him. And I, I think that that is so true for this. And the other thing is, um, all of us get to participate whether you're the aging parent, whether you're the child who's taking care of an aging parent, whether you're the parent parent who's parenting an, an adult or the, or whether you're the child who's an adult, like we all have a role to play. You're, if you're the child, like you have, you have a role to play in honoring your parents. If you're the parent, you have a role to play and properly caring for uh, your children like Jesus cares for you. right. And I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful like circle. Mm-hmm uh, in this series that we are returning to. So, um, yeah, thank you for that, Tim.
1: Yep. Well, as an honor, I feel much better about it. I did get an avalanche of emails at about one o'clock and texts. Mm -hmm. And because the only thing I felt good about on Sunday was that I preached for 28 minutes Oh.
2: Barry, that time thing is real.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do that to you, huh? We we, we do that as I a, as a staff or hey, system was, or something. It was brought up
1: to me in the most <laughs> respectful, careful, and honorable way. The, the per, I'm not going to say who talked to me about it, but the person who did, Amy Christie. We get no, it. No, <laughs> it wasn't Amy, but, but that person, I have no. It was not. Yeah. What, it was. It was the pure shock that I had failed everybody in my, their expectations hmm. of time. Well, and there wasn't anybody really to talk to about the sermon, because it wasn't by the time I got out into the lobby. Well, Tim, I and will then,
0: tell you there were, I had four conversations with people on the periphery of grace. Like sometimes they attend, sometimes they don't or they don't. And sometimes they tune in because their kids go to grace. And they just happened to this weekend and all four of them without me bringing it up. So I didn't ask like, Hey, what'd you think of church? Like I didn't do any of that. And they brought up what your sermon had mm-hmm. for them and oh, they don't gosh. attend grace. Sometimes they do. They just happened to, but they were, they were like, I'm really glad that I watched the stream this weekend because well, he had something for me. So
1: well, <laughs> thank this you. is not, we don't need to, you know, I don't need to be, <laughs> Uh, Mary's gonna bring it. you to the
0: next uh, therapy session with her dad. Hey,
2: well, yeah. Yeah. Tim, Tim, I think well, has been praying for say, that for a I while. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I will say this: that when well, I got to be careful about this. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never
0: mind. All right. And on that note, where are we <laughs> going next, Barry? We're talking about marriage. It'll be oh, easy and easy peasy. We've got, we've got
3: Amy with with depths of experience uh, about aging parents, Tim with depths of experience about raising adult children and me with three years depths of, marriage of under my belt, So yeah. I'm pretty much ready to, uh, to bestow wisdom on the people. No. Uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. And, um, one of the things that I'll just, I'll just drop this as a, as a way, something to think about. Um, you know, the series is called turning points and we're talking about when things kind of change. And so it's easy to think, Oh, marriage, the turning well, point is when you, When you first get married, like that's the turning point. And I, what I'm going to say is no marriage is not a wedding. Marriage is a, it's a, it's a daily turning point. Like it is, it is a constant relationship. And so this is applicable to everybody and there's plenty in this concept for the entire church, even those who are not married to participate in. So
0: yeah, it'll be be interesting. Cool. Yeah. Good. Tim, I think we're just going to run this sermon back uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, before everybody oh heads into goodness. Thanksgiving with their parents. <laughs> and we're just yeah. going to run it back so that everybody's what do they prepared. Call
2: it? Black Wednesday what is
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, was, yeah. I, I had a Thanksgiving where we had to have four full on Thanksgiving meals in the afternoon of thanks, you know, from like 11 to <laughs> six at four different places. And that's when I, I had to change the rules <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh man. man so all right so we're doing we're doing marriage and then what's the what's the last week in this the, the when when things fall apart when oh, that's right. the dream fails etc cool etc all right yeah marriage i mean this this pod will be like 10 minutes long next week no problem yeah, easy <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll look forward to that. We'll look forward to next week. But until then, Maren, will you please send us out? I sure
2: will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God.
0: And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.